So here's the deal. This message series is a bit ambitious. <laughs> Last week, we went through three different spiritual gifts, um, and we got through, but it, it, was a, it was a lot to take in. And, and this week, we're going to go through uh, three more, and, and it's a lot to take in. So uh, here's what I want to invite us to. Um, I am going to do my very best to stay focused and to, to give you as quickly and as succinctly as I can um, a little bit about these three gifts today. And what I want to encourage you is just to ask the Lord to tune uh, your mind to his mind, to tune your heart to his heart, and to receive whatever he wants you to receive today. And uh, if, if it's just too much for one time or for your notes, just know that there's more information that'll be on the website tonight or tomorrow that will help us continue to hear from the Lord and be the church as he designs it, particularly as it relates to spiritual gifts. And that's the purpose of this series, that we would connect with the Lord and really grow and mature in what it means to be his church on mission with Jesus in the same way that Jesus ministered, right? Jesus did ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to continue his ministry. And spiritual gifts are a significant, important way that enable us to do that. And last week we looked at the gifts of illumination, knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. And today we're gonna look at the gifts of demonstration, faith, healings, and miracles. And some of you are operating in these gifts and you don't even know it. So let's begin with the gift of faith. The gift of faith, the spiritual gift of faith, is given by the Holy Spirit to trust God and help others trust God for what would otherwise be impossible. Now, generally speaking, there's four types of faith. Natural faith is simply trusting something or someone to do what they're supposed to do. Right? We express natural faith every time we sit in a chair or open the refrigerator or fly on an airplane. Creedal faith is intellectual agreement with the truths of Christianity. Uh, in the scripture, this is sometimes called the deposit of faith or the faith once and for all passed down. Then there's saving faith. Saving faith is when agreement with the gospel drops 15 inches from our head to our heart. And we don't merely acknowledge the faith, but we bet our life and eternal destiny on it. We trust Jesus to forgive our sin, to heal our souls, to lead our lives. And we openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead and we're saved. And then there's the fruit of faith. The Spirit's presence in our lives waters and grows and produces this continuing, sustaining, persevering trust in God that comes from our union with Christ. He's divine, we're the branches, and as we abide in him and he in us, we bear much faith. 
Now what we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 9 is the spiritual gift of faith, which is a surge of confidence given by the Holy Spirit to trust God, to intervene and act for the good of a person or a group that otherwise would be impossible. Now, the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus with this gift. Jesus exercised such faith when tempted by the devil in the desert 40 days and 40 nights. Tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Jesus did nothing by himself. He did everything in complete trust and dependency upon the Father. Even fulfilling his role as a suffering servant, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Father, not my will, but your will be done. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And just as Jesus ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit, so his disciples are empowered by the Spirit to continue his ministry. Stephen, one of the first deacons in the church, was a man full of faith. He was stoned for proclaiming the gospel. Jesus is God. He was the promised in the Old Testament. He lived without sin. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead three days later. Jesus is Messiah and Lord. And as he was proclaiming the gospel, people were stoning him. And nonetheless, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he shouted, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And then he died full of faith. Paul is full of faith. Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is Paul's continual ongoing testimony to his trust in the Lord. But my favorite, my favorite's Mary. Mary has incredible faith. God comes to her through an angel and, sa an angel and says, you're going to get pregnant, but you're still going to be a virgin, and you're going to give birth to a boy, and he'll be God. <laughs> and, and how did she respond? Okay. And then she sings. She trusts she's going to get pregnant as a virgin and give birth to God and as a teenage girl, feed God, raise God, and her husband's going to be okay with that and her mom and dad are going to be okay with that. This is a girl with great faith. Amazing. Do you have this gift? Have you asked for this gift? Have you received this gift? Have you ever operated with this gift? Have you ever received from someone else in the body of Christ operating with this gift? I mean, some people look at a problem and, or a need and they say, oh, that'll never happen. That's impossible. And you say, let's do it. Let's go. People with the gift of faith are like, oh yeah, God could do that. Blindfolded. You trust God in difficult, even impossible situations when others are ready to give up. That's it. I'm giving up on our marriage. No, wait. 
God can still do something. It's only the second quarter. The game's not over. There's still time on the clock. Trust the Lord and let's keep praying and see what he does. If you have the gift of faith, you believe nothing's too hard for God. Nothing's too big for God. Nothing's too difficult for God. Nothing is beyond the authority and the power and the reach of the love of God. You're a don't give up, keep on praying, wait on the Lord, God's gonna come through type of person. And that gift that the Holy Spirit has given you is so important to the people of God and to the proclamation of his message. So how how does this gift work? When someone's struggling, doubting, or wavering in their faith, they call or come by or cry out to borrow yours. You're kind of like a battery that jumpstarts everybody else. People rely on your gift of faith because they know you know the character of God and the word of God and your surges of confidence in God and that God will show up and demonstrate his power are contagious. They're infectious. Your gift of faith moves people toward Jesus, helps people act on the promises of his word, and inspires trust in God that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. You are so important to the body of Christ and the gift of faith that God has given you is so important to the body of Christ. You you might even keep a journal of all the things you've prayed about. And like, check, yep, God answered that one. Check, oh, God really came through on that one. Check, that was amazing, God, you're so awesome. Check, answered, check, answered, check, answered. When the Spirit gives you the gift of faith, it's for the purpose of trusting God and helping others trust God for what would otherwise be impossible. Now, as with every gift, there are cautions, corrections, and encouragements. The caution is this. It's possible to confuse surges of faith with surges of flesh. And rather than ask and seek and knock, we name it and claim it and then feel entitled to it. And that is not the Holy Spirit. It seems better to conclude that God is not subject to the will of people, but intervenes according to what he knows is best. And that his action or inaction is always an expression of his love. So, for example, we want to ask for faith for healing. We want to encourage faith for healing. We want to express faith for healing. But healing is subject to the will of God. It's not our right. And even so, we're really encouraged by this gift because on at least two different occasions, Jesus told the disciples, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like I do and much more. This was our gospel reading this morning. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. 
The gift of faith deposited, apportioned by the Holy Spirit is so important to our life together in Christ and our mission together with Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is committed to equip the body with the spiritual gift of faith so that we'll trust God and help one another trust God, especially for what would otherwise be impossible. The gifts of miracles. The spiritual gifts of miracles are given by the Holy Spirit for two reasons. To display God's compassion and confirm Jesus as Messiah. Now, there are different ways that God heals, okay? God creates our bodies with a natural ability to heal. Natural ability to heal ourselves. Our immune system, when functioning properly, is an amazing testimony to God's brilliance. It's so cool. And God heals also through medicines and nurses and doctors. Scientific knowledge about the body is a blessing from God. How many of you ever been to the doctor and then got better? Yeah, pr- praise God. <laughs> right? We give thanks to God for the blessing and medical ministry of people like Tom and David and Chris and Mike and Thornton and Allison and Danny and Brad and Elizabeth and Heidi and Ann and Meg and Sammy and Aaron and so many others. I hope I didn't leave you out because... It's a gift that God has given you that ability and called you to use it for his glory. Now, significantly, God heals through the great physician, Jesus. And also significant, Jesus trains and commissions his followers to continue his healing ministry, and the Holy Spirit empowers the church with the gifts of healing to enable us to do so. My encouragement to you would be this week, open up one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, it doesn't matter, and read it through the lens of Jesus as healer. Because the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus with this gift. In the Gospels, Jesus is either on his way to heal someone or coming back from healing someone. We hear things time and time again like this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. 90% of the recorded ministry of Jesus on earth is healing. Now, one of the things I really love about how Jesus does this is he never makes long prayers for the sick. It's wonderful, and it's really worth imitating. He was always short and to the point. Stretch out your hand. Be clean. Be opened. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk home. And another thing that I think is particularly awesome is that Jesus never healed the same way twice. So there's no formula to buy. There's no formula to sell. There's no formula to control. Jesus heals. And he does because of his compassion. And because he can. (coughs) As Messiah, Savior, and Lord.
And as Jesus ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit, so his disciples are empowered to continue his ministry in the Holy Spirit. In Luke 9, it says this, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Isn't that wonderful? And immediately after Pentecost, we find the first believers continuing Jesus' healing ministry, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing people everywhere in Jesus' name. Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I freely give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. Philip performed signs and wonders, driving out impure spirits and healing ministry. In Acts 14, Paul speaks healing over a man who's lame from birth, who then jumps up and starts walking around. The spiritual gifts of healings declare Jesus' love and demonstrate his ability as the great physician to continue to make people physically, emotionally, and spiritually whole as God created and intended. Do you have this gift? What an amazing gift to the body. What amazing gift to the world, to our culture, to our neighborhoods and schools and places of work. You have a deep compassion for people who are sick. Do you hear that somebody's sick or got hurt or got diagnosed with something terrible and your heart just breaks for them like you're emotionally connected to them and you want to call them and email them and go and visit them and lay hands on them and pray for them and even use oil? Do you have a deep conviction that God can heal anybody? You've seen people healed before. You've been healed before. And you're filled with hope. And and you're eager to see Jesus do it again and again and again. You know, some people are freaked out by sick people. They don't like to go to hospitals. They're uncomfortable around suffering and hacking and sores physically and emotionally. But not you. You're drawn to it because you're drawn to them and you're drawn to what Jesus can do for them. You've got the bug. The bug that ends all bugs. You can tweet that. How does this gift work? Notice the word gift and the word healing are both plural. Therefore, the accurate translation is gifts of healings. Nobody taught me this. And what that means is that we can reasonably draw several conclusions of what Paul's trying to communicate as it relates to the heart of God. First, it seems Paul didn't envision the Holy Spirit giving the ability to heal anyone at any time. The gifts suggest many different gifts correlating with many different infirmities. So for example, the Holy Spirit might give you empathy and compassion for those struggling with infertility and the gift of healing for them. And healings suggests distribution per occasion, each healing being a unique empowerment by the Spirit for each need. 
So for example, you might receive a one-time spiritual gift of healing for migraines, for a particular person at a particular time because you're the one present and available to the Holy Spirit on that particular occasion. Gifts of healings. And so we respond by setting our faith on Jesus and his compassion and capacity to heal. And we pray regularly for the sick, whether God heals them or not. And when God does heal, we praise him and give him all the credit. And when God doesn't heal, we keep listening to him. We keep trusting him. We keep knowing that he has our best interest at heart and we keep praying. Now, as with every gift, the gifts of healings come with some caution, correction, and encouragement. Caution. Sometimes people think sickness is caused by sin. And sometimes people think that sin and sickness have nothing to do with each other. What does Jesus say? Jesus made it clear that not all sickness is the direct result of sin. One day the disciples asked him about a man born blind. Rabbi, was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Like, who did this? And Jesus answered clearly, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so that the power of God could be displayed in his life. Not all sickness is a result of sin. We don't want to put that on people. Now, on other occasions, Jesus does make a direct connection between an individual's sin and their sickness, right? The paralyzed man, for example, how does Jesus heal him? First, by forgiving his sin. My child, your sins are forgiven. Then Jesus commands him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk home. Now, I don't know if any of you are into um, kind of the whole faith and medicine scene, but there are a lot of interesting things that are being written these days about um, modern medical science and how modern medical science affirms that relational disconnection, often caused by guilt and shame, relational discontinuity, as a result of resentment and unforgiveness can compromise the immune system and contribute to illness. When our soul is dysregulated and desynchronized, it affects our bodies too. And I think that's perhaps what the apostle James was thinking when he wrote, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. I'm gonna share another caution here, and that is this. Sometimes people project their surges of faith on other people, and they say things like, you haven't been healed because you don't have enough faith. Now, praise God for that person's surge of confidence in the ability of God. That's wonderful. That's a great gift. But it's not helpful to put that on somebody else. And if you read the Gospels, you actually discover, discover something quite different. Sometimes the gift of faith resides in the person who needs healing. 
Like in Matthew 9, take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. But sometimes the gift of faith resides in the parents or the friends of the person that needs healing. Like in Matthew 15, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. Or again, when Jesus saw the faith of the friends of the paralytic, he forgave his sins and healed him. Now, here's what's really beautiful and comforting and gracious and merciful. Sometimes the gift of faith resides solely in Jesus on behalf of the person who needs healing. Like when Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus had the faith for him and healed him so that he could have faith in Jesus. So as we really look at the scripture, you need to have more faith doesn't always make sense because there are people who had tons of faith and yet remained sick. A few examples. Timothy was sick frequently. And he's got two books of the Bible named after him. Did he not have enough faith? Trophimus got sick, so sick that he couldn't continue on a missionary journey with Paul. And he's on the team, like he's in. In 1 Corinthians 2, 3, 2 Corinthians eleven thirty, second 2 Corinthians 12, 5, 12, 7 through 10, Galatians 4, 13, Paul keeps on saying, I'm sick, pray for me. Did Paul not have enough faith? I mean, if Paul didn't have enough faith, I'm in trouble. So it's just not accurate to say that our faith, not God's love and grace, is what heals us. Or that God must heal us, or that God can't heal us. God can heal, God does heal, but God doesn't have to heal. God is good. And he does everything that is good and right and perfect when we understand and when we don't understand. And that raises another question, an important question. So why does Jesus emphasize the importance of faith? I think it's this. Because faith causes us to look away from ourselves and all of our insufficiencies and any false notion of self-reliance and leads us to look at Jesus and all of his compassion and all of his capacity. Let me just ask, if you're comfortable, if you're not comfortable, that's okay. But if you're comfortable, would you just raise your hand if you know someone that has been physically, emotionally, or spiritually healed? Praise the Lord. Now keep them up if you're comfortable. Keep your hands raised if you know someone who has experienced physical, emotional, or spiritual healing here at Grace. Keep them up. Y'all look around a little bit. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is concerned to equip the body with gifts of healing to display God's compassion and confirm Jesus is Messiah. So good. He is so good. What an amazing gift of love. All right, last one. You still with me? Okay. 
the gifts of miracles. The spiritual gift of miraculous powers is given by the Holy Spirit to suspend, overcome, or transform the natural order, demonstrating the active presence and love of God to build our faith in Jesus and draw those who do not yet believe in him to receive him as Messiah, Savior, and Lord. Miracles are cool. And again, we have a double plural here. There are many workings in many ways, God manifests his miraculous powers, depending on which translation you read. I think miracles happen a lot more than we think. And we give God a lot less credit than he deserves. Miracles are supernatural events where God intervenes, overrides, or changes his normal and accustomed way of doing things. Right? Like, God is really cool. He designed the created realm to have consistency and regular rhythms for our security. That's good. I mean, if God didn't do that way, I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to be living in like an Alice in Wonderland type of everything is different all the time? Like that would just not be safe. (laughs) And I think it's helpful here to to see that there, as with all the gifts, there's some relationships, some connection between them. And, and that is particularly true with miracles and healings. So every healing is a miracle, but not every miracle is a healing. Healings refer to Jesus' authority and power over our body, mind, emotions, and soul. Miracles refer to Jesus' authority and power over situations, events, and things. Um, about, uh, about 15 years ago, I was at a prayer and healing gathering at the Anglican Mission Winter Conference. And uh, we were doing uh, a type of prayer called soaking prayer. And the leader asked us to reach under our seat and pull out a blank five by seven note card and ask the Lord what spiritual gift the Spirit wanted to give us to lift up Jesus, advance his gospel, edify the church, and extend his kingdom. And I wrote down, I think with a surge of confidence, I wrote down the gift of miracles. And I'll I'll never forget that uh, at the end of that evening, I shared that with somebody, and she just poo-pooed me for even asking. And, uh, and I haven't received the gift of miracles to my knowledge. I still want it. I'm still asking. And do you know what? For the first time in 15 or 16 years after the first worship gathering, I was leaving the back of the sanctuary and someone came up to me and prayed for me to receive the gift of miracles. So whether or not I got the gift of miracles today, you know what I did get? I got to experience someone's faith and I got healed from a wound that I needed to be set free from. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus with this gift. This is, this is so, oh, don't you just love Jesus? Jesus turned water into wine to solve a crisis at a wedding. That was his first miracle. Water into wine. Not a bad way to start recruiting some followers. Right? <laughs> Who? What does he do? Oh, I'm in. 
that's great. Yeah, I'll follow him, right? <laughs> Especially Anglicans. Come on, this is our favorite miracle. <laughs> Jesus also fed 5,000 out in the middle of nowhere. The disciples wanted to send people uh, away to go get their own dinner, but Jesus says, no, you feed them. And they panic. And then they find a kid who is smart enough to have brought a picnic basket, and this kid gives his five extra loaves of bread and two fish to Jesus, and Jesus holds them up and prays and turns it into food with everyone, for everyone with leftovers, which I think is the most holy and appropriate incident of rubbing it in in the history of the world. Like, yeah, I just did that. That's so cool. Jesus walked on water. Because when you can walk on water, you should. <laughs> Jesus calmed a storm to calm his disciples. Jesus suspended, overcame, or transformed the principles of natural law to solve problems, lovingly provide, and increase joy. And as Jesus ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit, so his disciples are empowered to continue his ministry. In Acts 4, Peter and John pray this prayer. This is a great prayer. You know, I wonder what would happen every day between now and next Sunday if all of us prayed this prayer once a day. Acts 4, now, Lord, consider what is happening and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They expected God to manifest miracles, which is what happened. In verse 31, it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Mm. Philip was Star Trek teleported from Gaza to Zotus. That's pretty neat. And on several occasions, Peter, Paul, Silas, they were dramatically set free from prison. Like angel appearing, uh, bars busting open, chains breaking, earthquakes happening, get out of jail free. Paul miraculously struck this sorcerer with temporary blindness in order to keep him from talking bad about Jesus and opposing the gospel message. In Acts 14, it says, Paul and Barnabas spoke boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. This is so helpful to the people of God on mission with God. Do you have this gift? Do you believe that God can do anything? That God is awesome and can do the impossible? That person can't get saved. Well, yeah, I think they can. I've seen worse. <laughs> that person can't get healed. Oh, yeah, they can. I've seen it before. That marriage can't get restored. Well, yeah, but I've seen the Lord do it again and again and again. Yes, he can. Do you notice miracles even when others don't? and praise God for them, and tell people about them to help them believe in Jesus and join him in what he's doing? Do you use stories of miracles to help prove to others that Jesus is God? Ah, 
I don't think God can help me. Hmm. Well, Jesus turned water into wine, fed 5,000 people, walked on water, healed people, and rose from the dead. What are you going to do with that? Let's talk about that. How does this gift work? Um, Several things I think that are helpful. The gift of workings of powers has several characteristics that keep us lined up with Jesus and on mission with him in the power of the Holy Spirit in a manner that he enables us. Miracles are extraordinary, sometimes startling, observable events that can't be reasonably explained. They are a direct intervening act of God outside the norm for his glory and the good of a person or a group. Miracles point to the active presence and compassionate power of Jesus and attest to his identity and ministry as Messiah, Savior, and Lord. And when they do, they arouse people's awe and wonder, creating, increasing, and strengthening faith. That is what the Spirit gives you when he gives you the gift of workings of miraculous powers. Now, with all gifts, there are cautions, corrections, and encouragements. First, caution. Jesus never performed a miracle for the purpose of fundraising or fame, and neither should we. We long to see the demonstration of God's miraculous powers, but we long to see that demonstration because miracles communicate his compassion, his comfort, his capacity to help in ways that would otherwise be impossible. We don't seek miracles, we seek God. We don't follow signs and wonders, but as we follow Jesus, signs and wonders will follow us. To give you an example of this, you might have noticed the last couple of months that God uh, is giving us not only this incredible space to be a gospel community, enjoying the presence of God, making disciples, raising up kingdom leaders to live on mission, he's also enabling us to do a little renovation in the sanctuary, in the kids area. God is so good to us. What a gift this place is. It's not about the place, it's about the people. But he gives us a place because place matters to God. If the people will use it for his glory. Well, for the sanctuary and the kids area, the total of all these renovations came out to $136,000. We talked about this last week at the leadership team. And as we discussed it, we discussed what the budget was. Not $136,000, but (laughs) $61,000. For those of you that are quick at math, that delta (laughs) is $75,000. That's a big difference. And you know what happened? With a surge of faith, someone wrote a check for $75,000 so that we had exactly what we needed. And that person doesn't even go to this church. Now, for that person, it was a gift of faith. For Brad and the leadership team, that was a miracle. (laughs) Sometimes they go together, okay? 
The point is this, the Holy Spirit is concerned to equip the body with the spiritual gift of miraculous powers to demonstrate the active presence and love of God, build our faith in Jesus, and draw those who do not yet believe in Jesus to receive him as Messiah, Savior, and Lord. So I want to conclude with this, an encouragement, an encouragement. As we come to the Lord through the bread and the wine, as we go to prayer and healing teams this morning, as we continue to talk and process what Jesus has said, what the Spirit has done, what it means to be the people of God on mission and the power of God, I want to encourage you, y'all, it's our job as maturing disciples to ask, receive, and use the gifts of the Spirit. And to do so with the same heart and the same goal as Jesus. Not as toys for our personal advancement, but as kingdom tools to love, encourage, and bless. Just like Jesus. Yeah, we're gonna make mistakes. But this is an environment with lots of grace, committed to gentle, biblical correction and love and ongoing encouragement because that's how we learn and grow in God's design for us as a church and how to implement spiritual gifts and our edification and the mission that God has called us to throughout the city and beyond. So I know that's a lot, but uh, we, we don't often experience all that God has for us in the midst of his sermon. In fact, it's usually not the case. But I want to encourage you to the, to the website, to listen again, to read, to learn more, to have these conversations in, with God in your times of personal devotion, with your family, in your life groups. On the website this afternoon or tomorrow, there's going to be 10 application questions for you. All right, so enjoy that. If you still have energy after this. Let me pray. Father, we praise you. We love you. And we thank you for the joy of saying so because you first loved us in Christ, the greatest gift of all. And so, Lord, as we continue to come to you through the bread and the wine, as we go to prayer and healing teams, we ask and seek and knock. Would you sovereignly give us the spiritual gifts that the Spirit desires us to have to build up the church in love and proclaim the gospel everywhere we go? Lord, would you show us and move us, even with a surge of faith, to ask for the gifts that we eagerly desire? Lord, would you send someone to come alongside us. Would you show us who to come alongside, to pray together, to receive, to grow, to learn, to mature, and what it means to be empowered with the gifts of ministry for your sake in a way that brings you joy and is helpful to you in what you're doing in our lives and in the world today. We pray, Jesus, for your sake and in your name. Amen.